0: Hi, welcome to the Dewey Decibel Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Moorhart, Associate Editor of American Libraries, the magazine of the American Library Association. I'd like to welcome you to a very special Dewey Decibel. We're at the end of the year. We're starting a new one. And uh, if you're like me, this time of the year is is extra busy. I have holiday festivities, New Year's Eve celebrations, uh, wrapping up projects and starting new new ones for the new year. Um, And... The, basically we're saying we're all really busy uh, So what we want to do is we want to take a little break From our normal podcast schedule And do something special for you We wanted to look back Look back on the past few years of people that we uh, The staff of American Libraries have spoke to at Some of our annual conferences and midwinter conferences uh, People that really Wowed us with their words And memories and thoughts about libraries People like writer Khalid Hussaini the, uh, the mind behind the kite runner Alexander McCall Smith Jane McGonigal the, the game designer Jennifer Conweiler Lewis Lowry, the author of the great book The The, uh, the Giver uh, Nick Offerman, funny man Nick Offerman Sarah Lewis, uh, Sarah Val, and of course uh, Margaret Atwood the uh, the writer of The Handman's Tale all of these people uh, joined us in 2014 15 and 16 to, to talk about libraries with us, so we wanted to share some of these little clips and outtakes with you, we hope you enjoy uh, join us in January for a brand new episode, uh, we're getting into Star Wars madness. So, join us, and we'll talk to you then. Well, I didn't grow
1: up around libraries because in in Afghanistan they didn't exist when I was there. In the 1970s, I went to bookstores really to be around books, and I was a big book lover from a very young age. So, I went to bookstores to be around shelves of books and spend time. With, in that company. But I discovered uh, libraries in France when I moved there in 1976, and I remember walking into one the first time and just kind of <laughs> kind of being in this belief that I could walk out with a book without having to, to pay for it, and I could borrow it and read it, and then I could come back and get another one.
2: The libraries uh, are, are very important for any person who's a keen reader, as I, I was. And I, I remember, I suppose, my first encounter with the library was a school library, a very small school library. And I remember the enjoyment that I obtained from that. And I uh, remember working my way through the rather slender shelves uh, of that little, little school library. And then obviously later on encountering other libraries and, and loving libraries all, all, all my life. I think they're, they're, they're very special places. Uh, libraries are, are, are sacred turf as far as I'm concerned.
0: So uh, we,
3: we were kind of amazed to see what a selection the San Francisco Public Library has of, of graphic novels because when I was growing up that wasn't something that you would easily find comic books you know, at your library. You know
1: my dad was a writer in the in the depression and books were really his lifeblood and the library became his second home and as a result uh, for my sister and I we would spend many Saturdays with dad at the library and then as I became Older, hung out there with my friends and became more of a, more of a social gathering place. Um, years later, my dad was president of the library board in our local community and really led the transformation and renovation of that library in the early 90s. And uh, I'm very pleased and I get kind of teary-eyed. He passed away in 2010. When I go back and drive back on that street uh, in Hewlett-Woodmere, the Hewlett-Woodmere Public Library, I see the cornerstone uh, with his words written on there. And those words are where dreams endure. And just thinking about that is so emotional for me. Libraries will always be a special place because of that. I'm now 77 years old. So I was born in 1937. So I'm a child in the early 40s going to my town library, which to me was like a cathedral. Uh, And it was a place in those days where you had to be silent. The librarian would go, shh, if you spoke. Uh, and, and so I, it was to me it was a, a solitary experience. Somebody must have shown me where the children's books were. But um, I didn't interact with the librarian. She was there behind that high desk. I had to stand on tiptoes to put my books up there. And then she did something magical with her hand. She stamped something twice and the book was mine. I had no idea what she was doing. So, what I remember is the, the awesomeness, that's a word that's become overused, of course, uh, of that building and, and the books that it contained. That was very uh, special to me.
4: And our, our family, uh, you know, it's funny, there's probably 40 of us now in the Manuka area, and with the exception of me, the weird black sheep, uh, we are school teachers, firemen, paramedics, nurses. Uh, librarians um, and farmers and my brother brews beer so they're they're all doing the Lord's work they're all the salt of the earth and then I'm this weird dancer (laughs) off doing my thing Um, and so not only do we have librarians in the family but even though there are these great uh, good-hearted people uh, the whole family reads we love to read books and we always have Um, we, We love watching, you know, good TV and going to the movies, but I'd say our main form of entertainment is reading books.
2: I have tons of memories of of libraries that I love, one of them was going to the Beinecke Rare Book and Manuscript Library up at Yale recently, looking through Langston Hughes papers, and seeing him go through some of the same uh, joys and frustrations that we all do in getting a book out into the world. They have an excellent archive there. I saw him struggle on the page to condense an entire book in one sentence and so he had these short blurbs that i'm sure publishers still try and wrestle with but the fact that the library offered that archive for me uh, and for all of the researchers offers a sense of lineage uh, that's both empowering and, and comforting as you go through your own work
3: i was skipping school and going to my public library and hanging out in the stacks, reading books when I was supposed to be in class. You know, I would just kind of like uh, sneak out of school, sneak into the library, you know, cause I think some of them probably knew my parents and just go like hide in the stacks and, and read books. And I remember I was really, I was a musician as a kid and I remember sitting on the floor, in hiding in the stacks, reading this biography of John Coltrane. It was also during the Nancy Reagan Just Say No era, and he, John Coltrane, who I, whose music I loved, he was a junkie, you know? And I'm sitting there reading this biography of a junkie. And stuff like that really, op- I think, maybe gives you a more compassionate view of people. I mean, just thinking about how here was this great artist who made this great art, who was this very flawed person. And, and there was something about reading about his biography that you can't get from just listening to his music. But I just remember um, having my, the admiration that I had for him just sort of reinforced. And I think I had more admiration for him knowing his story and knowing, you know, what he was going through. And it was more complicated and more human and just bigger than than, like, drugs bad, junkies bad, you know? And that's the kind of stuff we didn't really discuss in high school, (laughs) you know? And um, so like, it was a physical refuge to me, my town library. And especially I think because until I was 11, I grew up in a town without any library, including my school. Had no library. It had, I think, a shelf with some books on it, and so um, as we lived out in the country and went to this country school, and then um, when I was 11, my my family moved to this college town, and. My sister and I loved two things. We loved books and we loved to roller skate. And that first summer we were there in this college town, there were sidewalks, which we didn't have out in the country, and there was a library. And so every day we would just roller skate over to the public library and we just couldn't believe how, we just couldn't believe you could just live someplace where you could just go to the library every single day instead of having to make this like long, long drive.
2: Well, I was a very early reader, but um, I lived up in the North Woods, except in the winters when I lived in cities. And in the city, you could have a library. You could have a library at your school, and you could also have a little regional branch of the Toronto Public Library System. So I used to go to the Deer Park Library in Toronto with my little library card, when I was nine and that was still when they stamped the library card and you could get out two books and then you had to bring them back and get another two so that was magic because when you're up in the woods there are books but once you've read them you can't get any more so I was a great uh, frequenter of that little regional library